someone that is close to you that is like validating your work mm -hmm. has to also have the belief that you're gonna make it right that you have what it takes right and and i think this is it's very human and it doesn't only concern the artistic uh, work but in every aspect of life mm -hmm. you have to have someone that believes in you Conversations about the work behind the work with diverse artists from all over the globe. My name is Ruby Josephine Smith, and not only am I the creator and host of this podcast, I am a choreographer and contemporary dance artist based in Tangier, Morocco. This is a podcast in process about process. I am not only fascinated by the creative process itself, but how to have better and more meaningful conversations about it. Join me in digging deep into what it is that drives a person to make art. So before I launch into this extra special episode today, just a quick reminder that most creative processes are unsustainable without some kind of communal support. This podcast as a process is no different. To support Process Piece, please consider contributing to my Buy Me A Coffee page at buymeacoffee.com slash These metaphorical cups of coffee go directly to the overhead costs of producing this podcast and my newsletter on a regular basis. You can also show your support by rating and reviewing on iTunes or sharing this podcast on social media. Every little thing counts, and I appreciate it all so much. Thank you. Today's episode is a little bit different from others. I decided to sit down finally with the one and only Marwan Benlarbi, who is not only my husband, but at certain points throughout our relationship, a co-creator and fellow performer. The two of us have built a large part of our six-year relationship so far on a lot of regular deep conversations, and for a while now we've been wanting to have this conversation together about process, art, and relationships for the podcast. Marwan himself is an artistic soul and throughout his life has been both an actor in theater pieces and award-winning short films and a dancer, which is how we met and how we came to work together on a performance a couple years ago. Here's just a little bit more about his background to get to know him. Marwan completed a two-year certification program in theatrical performance from the Delegation of Culture in Tangier and participated in various international trainings in artistic performance. He is an interactive theater trainer in the MENA region and has been solicited as a youth leader in many events and conferences organized by the United Nations, the Anna Lind Foundation, and YPIR International in Jordan, Lebanon, and Egypt. He also founded a youth initiative called Ibda Jeune Talent, in which he aims to create an open space for the artistic expression of youth in Morocco. He currently works in international development and is also embarking on a personal project of bringing his expertise as a youth trainer to online video platforms, in which he discusses different themes relating to social issues and self-betterment in short videos on Instagram and YouTube. All of his work he approaches from a creative standpoint, and he truly has the mind of an artist. While I try not to let any of my conversations feel too formally like an interview, this episode is even less so. In this comfortable conversation in our living room, the two of us go back and forth about topics relating to art making and relationships and where the two subjects intertwine. Most notably, how we worked together and what our collaboration process looked like for the full-length dance performance piece we created titled Marked Territory, plus what being an artist means to each of us, and separating artistic spirit from artistic profession. 
We discuss the fact that a stigma still exists claiming that true artists can't devote time to stable relationships or marriage, which we both disagree with, and we also get into the benefits of having someone close to you in your life with whom you can be totally vulnerable and talk about your process with. We also received several questions from friends and podcast listeners, so we answer those sporadically throughout this chat. This is the first time we've ever sat down together to do anything like this, and it was so lovely to have one of our natural conversations together and be able to share it with all of you. I'm hoping it'll give you a glimpse into just one example of what two artists coming together in a relationship can look like from the inside, going through the process side by side. So let's get on with it. Here is my conversation with Marwan. Welcome to Process Peace. <laughs> Yay, finally. It feels really good to be finally doing this, especially on a Sunday morning, which is perfect because that's kind of our ritual deep conversation day anyway. Yeah, it feels like it's the right day to conduct this interview because exactly. it's the pancake Sunday. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, we had, we've been wanting to talk together on this podcast for a while. And a couple of the reasons we wanted to do that is we've worked together before as artists and we actually met working together. Yep, that's how we met. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like I've told that story a couple times. I don't know if I've told it on this podcast, but I guess we can just say it briefly here. We met, um, I came to Tangier to work as a choreographer on a project sponsored by the U.S. Embassy and we held auditions to get Moroccan performers to be part of it. And in walked this guy named Marwan Ben Larbi, (laughs) into the auditions, and he was an amazing dancer, and I knew it would cause some problems professionally for me. (laughs) (laughs) No, but um, yeah, you were, I guess, technically one of my dancers in the beginning, but it was really, it was a collaborative project, and I had such a great time working with that whole group of dancers, and I'm excited to get more into how you ended up being a dancer to begin with, because I think that's an interesting story, but we'll get into that in a bit. So we wanted to talk mostly, like I said, because we work together and we've also created a piece together later on once we were already married. um, And we'll talk about that as well. Uh, But what's also interesting is we're each individual artists as well and individual creators, but really make a point to support each other in our processes. And we talk about our processes a lot. We are always sharing it with each other and always giving each other ideas and support in terms of our individual creative processes. And I think that's something that's really important honestly in any work as a couple but especially when you're both artists and creators yeah i think it's uh as an as an artist in general like to have a partner that is an artist mm-hmm. i think that's a, that's a plus it's uh yeah it's a jackpot i guess <laughs> it can be I, I think it also like it can be if you're both really thoughtful artists that also prioritize other things in life besides just your art. I think if you're the kind of artist that your entire life is your art, it can often be a bit more volatile maybe and a bit yeah. more competitive. It, it, yeah, 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 it can create competition between your art Absolutely. or your partners. So yeah. we advocate for a balanced life in terms of I mean, artists. Life is about balance. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we'll be getting into that more in this conversation. Um, and also something that I just wanted to talk about with you, obviously, because we're married and in a relationship, is this whole stigma that I think still exists in the art world. And it's come up a couple times in conversations on this podcast before mm-hmm. that as a serious artist, you can't be in a serious relationship yeah. because you're like I just said, like there is this idea that your whole life should be your art. Yeah. And, and it takes from your artistic exactly it maybe takes time. away from your creation time from your artistic yeah. energy and i just i don't believe in that yeah. at all um 
I think I maybe thought that when I was younger and I thought my life would look like that. And you told me that a couple of times. I I, I, sure I did. (laughs) Back when I was young and thought I knew everything already. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I, I, I really want to try to break that stigma. And I think talking together about it is an interesting thing to hear and to share. And I thought to start, it would be fun to start learning a little bit more about you since you're new on this podcast. First time we've heard your voice. I've talked about you, but it's the first time everyone's hearing you. So I thought it would be fun to start by asking you actually the question that I ask all of my other guests, which is what is your first memory of creating something? I feel like I was born an actor. It feels like it. Hmm. When I was a kid, I I remember I, I liked to like, um, give impression of people like you know sort of um, set an act like be in the middle the center of int- like a like you know the center of a gathering and mm-hmm. like start to act and do like you know funny things and like accents and yeah and for some reason it felt for me that I am supposed to be an actor mm-hmm. you know I feel like I have that what it takes and mm. it's later on my age I think when I become a teenager I realized that my father actually did theater Really? And that, oh, I always forget about that. Yeah. yeah, and then like I have not because my memory of my dad it wasn't like anything related to theater. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that he was into it, and he did it for a couple of years. Yeah. So for me, it was just like I'm an actor. I was born like talented, and that's it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's actually in your blood. <laughs> I, it feels like it. I don't know. Yeah. Probably something like you know slipped in the genes. Yeah. Well, I think you're a natural born performer. I think you were just made to be. In, I don't know, in the spotlight. Yeah, I well, yeah. I mean, with my dad, with the background of my like dad's history, and also my mom being like, she she was into like painting, and mm-hmm. she was like, you know, sort of, she has this like a visual artist mindset, yeah. and like in a very like raw, right. you know, and and I liked it, you know, it feels like mm. it feels like mm, this very like raw art. It's not like the professional, but it just yeah, so it doesn't have amateur to be and technical, so. yeah. yeah, yeah. You, did you continue on to keep doing it in high school? And yes. So what I did is that I've always wanted to, mm-hmm. but it feels, um, but it felt like I'm, I was waiting for someone to discover me, and like <laughs> I was thinking like That's very like strongly in my head that I can make a very good kid actor, mm-hmm. but I didn't have the chance. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> and like if some, if only I get the right person to discover me, I'll yeah. be like. You know, that's so funny. Yeah, should have been growing up in LA, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but it really—I don't know where I get the idea from, but it it's really so felt funny. so strong. Mm-hmm. And I think I was waiting and waiting and waiting um, until, um, you know, after like high school, I just, you know, I said like, you know what? I think I have to like do something. So mm-hmm. I joined. Uh, I found like a class that gives theater. Mm-hmm. So I studied theater for two years. With a, it's like I think it's a delegation of Ministry of Culture. Okay. It's like it's a public uh, um, program. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I always like choose it to be like in parallel of my studies, right? Not as like a full time thing, right? What I I just jumped into like uh, creating short movies. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I'm like waiting, and like it seems like this chance would never happen. So I'm like, I'd yeah. rather just start something. And I did this short movie with a very basic material with like a group I, I gathered like people I was like oh you know like how to take videos and stuff and the guy said yes and I just collected some bunch of actors someone like that can write some script yeah. and we did a very like basic amateur um, short movie of 15 mm-hmm. minutes wow. 
That's how you start, though. Yeah, and then we just send it a very like low quality camera, mm-hmm. and we send it to like participate in a youth amateur festival, something like that, mm-hmm. um, and we we got like a very like good feedback from people, from like the organizers, and we've keep participating with that, and we got like you know some like this prize of like best actor, like mm-hmm. best amazing. Uh, it was just like. Incredible. We didn't expect to have that much success yeah. on that. Yeah. So I think that's also like, that's how it started. Like mm-hmm. the, this whole admitted officials, like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to wait anymore for anyone to discover me. I'm going to do something. So <laughs> Yeah. And that's what I think is so interesting about your journey as an artist is because you, we talk a lot about intuition on this podcast and then you and me as well. Mm-hmm. And you are someone who is incredibly intuitive. And a lot of the decisions that you make in your life are through your intuition and it sounds like that's almost how your artistic life has gone as well, is you you had this intuition that you kind of had to wait for that moment to really break out. You knew you had it in you, but I think that waiting to be discovered, so-called, wasn't. it didn't actually need to be being discovered, but you were waiting for that moment to push yourself out there. And yeah. then that was paired with then the hard work of making this movie kind of from scratch. It feels like it needed for me to like be waiting all that time mm-hmm. in order to act you know like right. to do something because sometimes i mean we just it's really comfortable to just like sit and wish for things to happen without sure. making any effort and then like you suddenly like realize that there's something that needs to be done mm-hmm. you have to start doing something instead of just waiting passively mm-hmm. for the external factors to like be in your favor mm-hmm. so and i think that's what happens like when i started put in the right, you mm-hmm. know, ingredients into my, like, yeah. dish. Like, it started to, like, um, get, get there. So, afterwards, uh, there's this guy that um, a friend of mine just offered me. He's like, oh, I'm writing this new, like, scenario, like, a script of, like, for a short movie. And mm-hmm. um, it was, like, uh, like the, the time of this whole uh, MENA region uh, youth movements mm-hmm. of, like, political... Yeah. Um, you know, like no marches and all that stuff in the countries. It's, it was the right time to talk about it from also a young a youth perspective, mm-hmm. like what we were doing and like how do we perceive the situation. Yeah. And I think um, we at that like for that project we really gathered really very talented people mm-hmm. in Tangier, and we did this movie called The Riddle. Mm-hmm. What uh, is it in Arabic again? Lux. Oh yeah. So, uh, and, and I think people really, uh, what we create, we created a debate basically. Mm-hmm. So some people didn't agree with it. Some people loved it. Some people like had their own interpretation. Mm-hmm. And I think that would set the, um, like, like a very welcoming ground for the, the, <laughs> yeah. like, the short movie. And we it was projected and participated in all over the world. Yeah, no, it, it's really amazing. And you, I think you really have a, a gift for choosing these projects that you really connect with. Um, because I know there's also been a lot of short films that you've said no to. The things I'm very selective when it comes to that. Since exactly. I've waited, I'd, I'd rather just do it, you yeah. know, on my own terms. Yeah. And I like to, you know, I do it from heart. And I'm like very passionate about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because I do it as a sort of a hobby, let's call it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not professional mm-hmm. at what I'm doing. So... I do it with passion. So right. I do it like very like selectively and I take my time on, on, yeah. on really choosing things. So I've been in three short movies. Yeah. Um, I've refused a couple because yeah. they, they didn't like really... you didn't connect yeah. with them. You didn't I have mean, that intuitive sense about them. And the idea, sometimes it's just the idea. Mm-hmm. And if the person like really have a strong idea that like calls 
me and like you know mm -hmm. yeah I feel like connected to it well thanks for connecting with my original dance piece <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm <course>. thankful for that <laughs> it feels right it feels right yeah no I like I, I liked it I also I mean dancing wasn't uh, on my agenda before right yeah can you just quickly say how you got into dancing so as I work I was uh, basically training as an actor I realized that part of the acting is also movement mm -hmm. and that it's very important for an actor to not only have a good facial expressions and like you know interpretation of like things but rather a strong ability to move mm -hmm. to speak uh, you know even to sing sometimes I sing alone but I, it was just like sort of to <laughs> oh, loosen <know>. up my <laughs> but it like helps sort of like you know I think in the United States I've seen like you know schools that do that mm -hmm. like this whole like training that is um, that go all around you know you just like mm -hmm. training on singing on like acting yeah. on the triple threat yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was just like doing that to myself sort of like expose myself to these things to diversify my profile to mm -hmm. like make my act even stronger yeah so and then I I didn't know why dance yeah. and I've, I didn't well, realize Well you're doing it. some hip hop in the beginning weren't yes. you? You were kind yeah. of training with a crew here and just yeah, yeah on it the was, side. It was what is was trendy but I, I don't yeah. know I, I didn't know why I do these things mm -hmm. and then I feel like I, this is my existential question why do I dance until <laughs> I got married and I was like oh okay <laughs> it's to find my wife I feel like <laughs> it It's all like, to find me. It felt like it. It felt yeah. like it. I was like okay probably I started dancing because of that. So. Right. Anyway. Well, it's so funny because so many people assume that because we met dancing, they're like, oh, so your husband is a dancer. And then I always mm. have to kind of go back and explain, well, well he dances sometimes, but he's not, yeah. you don't consider yourself a full-time dancer, of course. No, yeah. I mean, you have a whole other job. You work in international development, which is very time demanding. And, yeah. you know, it's not your profession. It really, like you said, it's a hobby. Yeah. But what I find interesting about you and what I've always found interesting is and why we're able to have these conversations together is because even though you see art as your hobby, you still call yourself an artist. And I think a lot of people think you it has to be your profession in order to be able to call yourself an artist. Yeah. You know, otherwise it's kind of this timid, oh, well, I'm creative, I make art, but I'm not really an artist, you know? Mm -hmm. But I've always admired your confidence of just saying, no, I, I am an artist, because you've, like you said, you've always felt that inside of you. You've always felt that kind of performative spirit or creative spirit. And you don't seem to have any sort of limitation on... The securities yeah, about Yeah, <laughs> no, I really, I admire that so much because I see so many people on the other side of that. Yeah. I think that being an artist is a mindset is like it's an entire sort of feeling mm -hmm. it's that your mind your body like the way you function is mm -hmm. the way you see things the way you hear things the way um, you perceive every single thing it's, mm -hmm. it, for, it, let's call it just an artistic lens yeah you know and it's sometimes either you have it or not yeah. And some people do work in the art scene. Mm -hmm. They do art, but they're not artists. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like more the feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. I've, I've always was torn between following art or, or like the analytical, um, scientific sort yeah. of uh, part of my life. And I always had both. Yeah. And, and it's for the respect that I have for art that mm -hmm. probably I didn't take it as a profession I don't know I feel like I had to invest more in my scientific analytical side mm -hmm. and get like a job and like because I also like it you know? yeah of course um, but also I had that artistic life that I like um, it makes me feel so happy so mm -hmm. like um, 
I don't know, connected, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and with the time, I think I, I'm trying to merge both of them. Mm-hmm. Even my work, I start to like, I really use art in the international development, you know? Mm. I like tend to like um, suggest, you know, when we do like activity for like young people on some projects, mm-hmm. it's art comes like the first on my head. Like, right. oh, let's creativity. just do, yeah, yeah, creativity. Like, let's encourage creativity among young people because that creates resilience, that mm-hmm. creates like, um, critical thinking but also there's something that I've learned from theater that helped me a lot in my professional career which is the art of improvisation mm, yes the ability to master improvisation helps you in every single aspect of your life mm-hmm. you know when you are at work and you are stuck yeah in something you have to have the ability to you know just do something about yeah. it and like think on your feet and yeah. be creative on your feet also yeah, yeah. and then sometimes when i s- explain the concept of improvisation to other people this don't seem to get it yeah i can completely say that improvisation is uh, a, a method to resolve problems mm, interesting yeah because yeah. it makes you find solutions it makes you find alternative it makes yeah. you feel like very resourceful in terms of what you can do with different scenarios of your act of your work and yeah you know? i think i'm sure i've told you this story but my uh choreography teacher when i was at oberlin nusha martinuk she was mm-hmm. like one of my favorite teachers i had and she taught us a lot about improvising <laughs> improvising to create choreography and she would always say improvising is easy you have a problem and you solve it. You yeah. put yourself in a problem and then you solve it. And to have it broken down that simply, it seems so obvious. But then when you're actually going through that as a dancer, and I'm sure as an actor as well, you that's literally all you're doing. You're putting your body in a maybe a physically, literally weird position. Impossible positions. Impossible <laughs> positions. And how do you get out of it? How, what is a new way to get out of it? And what are the multiple possibilities of solving that problem? And how can you maybe choose a new way to solve it every time? And it just made it so clear for me. And yeah, it's, it's such an important skill to have. Yeah. Like there's a sort of logic also mm-hmm. when it comes to art. Yeah. It's either sometimes something you feel beautiful or not. But like when I watch something, when I, like, when I see even like a, a painting, mm-hmm. it either clicks or not. There's a certain, mm. you know, it's sort of a feeling that I have to distinguish between good art, strong process, mm-hmm. or very like... I don't know. That's uh, like, really you know. interesting, though, that you said good art, strong process together. Because, I mean, good art is very subjective. People yeah. are going to find different things, good and bad. Yeah. But strong process, I think that's the key. And I think that's exactly why I'm, I'm doing this podcast yeah. to begin with, which, of course, I've talked to you about as well. Um, but I think that's what makes art... I don't know if you can say good because it, it is just such a subjective term, but it's what makes it rich. It's what makes it yeah. full yeah. is being able to feel and see and experience the process that's going on behind it. Yeah. I mean, art is made, look, it's either you like it or not, which mm-hmm. is normal. But also what matters is not if you like it or not, but rather if you respect it or not. Mm-hmm. To me, at least. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it can be hard sometimes <laughs> in my judgment to art. Yeah. But... What I do respect sometimes is the process that the person puts, you know, behind the work. But I just, um, I know, but I want to ask you back. Okay, go for it. Because <laughs> I feel like um, when you, when I call myself an artist, mm-hmm. and I know that you put a lot of effort in your art. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I don't know, like, how, how does it make you feel? Because, you know, you would say like, oh, we are both called ourselves artists, but I'm working more than you. And like, I'm like more full-time dedicated to art. 
uh, rather you, you know like so what how do you deal with it <laughs> I don't I don't have a problem with it and I think I haven't had a problem with it because because you make that distinction between spirit and profession mm-hmm. um, because you are very clear like being an artist isn't your profession and you don't claim that it is yeah. it you say it's your hobby it's about how you feel about art that you have this kind of sense of it um, and that's I think there is that side of being an artist. I think it's having that within you. And then it's a different thing to then turn that spirit into a career, mm-hmm. you know? And I yeah. think I've always, I've also grown up having that spirit inside of me. I think having two artist parents, we, you know, we just have this sense that I have to be an artist. And for me, that also means I have to do it as my career. And I've always, I've never questioned that. I've mm-hmm. never doubted that actually, which is kind of, crazy. I mean, I I think I'm also quite lucky to have been raised thinking I can make money from this. I can make this my life's work because not everyone has that idea that it's possible. And I do think in other countries, it's also more difficult. In Morocco, it's more difficult to make a living as an artist if you're not. And just because society won't encourage you. But I think that's where I see the difference between us and the difference that works actually, because my career is an artist and your spirit as an artist I guess we can say and yet we both share that sense of what art is and being able to understand understand it and I think that's always worked for me because at the same time then I never feel a sense of competition with you and not that I necessarily would if it was your career Um, I hope I wouldn't but I've never felt that because I don't think there's any anything to push against any threat yeah well no (laughs) that's not necessarily what i mean but i think it's uh, i've heard about couples that uh, both of them are artists Mm -hmm. in the same domain same field yeah and uh what entails uh, in terms of conflict Mm -hmm. um uh, because i think art you know being an artist you go through like ups and downs Mm -hmm. and sometimes more downs than ups right and um, because this is something that I really wanted to talk about is mm-hmm. when you, for example, being a husband of <laughs> a, a dancer, like being your husband, like I, I, you know, people outside would see your achievements, they right. would see your work. Right. I'm in the like the backstage. Mm-hmm. I see the entire thing. Yeah. And sometimes I see more like the struggle of it, the process of it, the yeah. doubt of it, than the result itself. Of course. And but like you have to have a clear eye mm-hmm. to keep seeing that person as an artist mm. and not only see like the process but see everything together and and that is important I think yeah. that's it, it entails or requires that the other person your partner can have like a clear vision mm-hmm. of what it is and I think this is the advantage that I like I don't know symptom that I have and why I'm like I consider myself an artist mm-hmm. is that because I have that eye mm. that can seize the whole picture yeah. rather than just the um, small pieces and small you know, yeah and, and sometimes I think it's necessary to have someone yes. that sees that absolutely and that's what I was gonna say is I think that is so 
validating almost and not that you have to have that external validation as an artist but it but it helps so much I mean because as artists we do go through and especially when it's your career in any career you go through so many doubts about what you're doing and the whole imposter syndrome and I'm not good enough and all of these things you tell yourself it never ends it never (laughs) ends and you you know you have to do a certain amount of work on your own self-talk to stop talking down to yourself and stop telling yourself that you're not good enough but to have someone else by your side also constantly seeing everything you're going through and seeing you know you've seen me really from really my starting point in my professional career up Mm -hmm. until where I am now and when I look I mean it's it's interesting because when I look back I'm almost embarrassed by some of the first work that I did I'm not but but that's (laughs) the thing is you're there to remind me that no when you started like that's you have to start somewhere. You yeah. have to start from a place and it's that is your authentic place at that moment and that's yeah. just going to keep growing. And to have you seeing that trajectory along with me, I think has just been so valuable for me and has made me a stronger artist. And I think that's where like the stigma thing comes in that yeah. there's this idea that you can't be in a serious relationship as an artist. I think not it's hard because you know I don't want to say if you're single like you can't be a serious artist also like neither of the extremes are true yeah. but I think when you do find a partner that does understand you and is there to support you no matter what no matter if you're having a bad day as an artist or a good day I think that's so valuable and actually makes you it's made me feel a lot more comfortable in my own skin and just a little bit more yeah. settled so that then I'm able to come from this more grounded place yeah. and then create around that Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. sense i feel like there's a key word that i that comes to my head like up in this conversation is believe Mm -hmm. and of course and i've heard so many people so many artists talking about believe in yourself believe in like uh what you're gonna but like it's very difficult when you are inside of it yeah (laughs) so Uh, much easier but also it is hard also for the partner yeah because it's because also your partner or like the external validation Mm -hmm. that person like either like your family relative or like someone that's close to you that's like validating your work Mm -hmm. has to also have the belief that you're gonna make it right that you have what it takes right and and i think this is it's very human and it doesn't only concern the artistic uh work but in every aspect of life Mm -hmm. you have to have someone that believes in you someone that like there to remind you of why you're doing these things in the first place yeah and where did you go and what's the the the, you know the progress uh the learning and i think it's it's always important to have that in our side and i Mm -hmm. think that's why it's important to choose the person with who you want to share that (laughs) yeah yeah find someone who believes in you it's really it's so important yeah no i i think it's uh, it's 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 a very key aspect or point to uh, to the to the the relationship of that kind and i think it's also just so beneficial to have any sort of person in your life who you're really close to who you can talk through processes with absolutely um and who's going to understand it and sometimes it's even night like i actually appreciate that you're not on the inside of the dance world because you can often approach my problems that i'm sharing with you from a much more objective standpoint and make me see it from different angles that I may not think of if I was talking to another dancer who's more on the inside of it and you can maybe make me step back and see it's not as serious or there's new ways to solve it Mm -hmm. Um, or as an audience yeah or as an audience member exactly and I think that's so that's been really beneficial to me as well absolutely
would like to just jump into the um, the work we've done together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Mark territory. Yeah. And um, I know, like the idea started as uh, we wanted, we felt that we wanted to do something together. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because we had danced together in 2014 when we met. I, but we, oh yeah, we always talked about we need to do a piece together. And I think we were just kind of waiting for the right idea and the right time. And then finally, when did we start working on it? I guess it was the end of 2017 that we started working on it. Yeah. And finally performed it in the uh, fall um, 2018. 2018. That was that, yeah. Yeah. I, I felt that, oh, I like I like your work. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I'd love to do something together. And mm-hmm. me with, like, the theater, theatrical... Yeah. background and you with the dance and we want to create a performance exactly. but also since I started to uh, like consider art in my field of work which is international development mm-hmm. and social development uh, I like to like tackle issues exactly. social issues that matter to us or like to me personally yeah and uh, and that specific performance we agreed that we want to do it about sexual harassment in public mm-hmm. spaces and male-female dynamic. Yes, a very big topic here in Morocco, but any everywhere in the world. But yeah, it's yeah. something we both felt so strongly about and we really wanted to make a piece about that tackled it from different angles and wasn't just a one-dimensional kind of stereotype of what we yeah. think of of these issues immediately. Um, I would like to hear your version of like the process <laughs> from your own... Um, It was interesting because I think before that I had always been in the position either very specifically as leader, as the choreographer, Mm -hmm. or as the one being directed. And I don't, I think it had been a really long time, possibly if ever, that I had created a piece really collaboratively that Mm -hmm. was equal. And I think I found that a bit of a struggle, which you know, yep. <laughs> um, I, both of us have very leader personalities, <laughs> which, you know, it, it can work, but yeah. it just takes more um, thoughtfulness. And, it has its own challenges. Exactly. It has its own challenges. But yeah, I, I found it to be a really interesting process. And especially where I was in my career at that point, I felt like I was ready to take the next big step in terms of just creating more advanced technical choreography and really focusing on the process in a very deep way. And so I felt like the entire time I was very self-reflective about it. So even as I was inside of it, I always felt like there was a certain part of myself on the outside watching what we were doing in a weird way. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I think it just came at an interesting time in terms of that. And I actually, I just wanted to mention also, we, we had some questions from listeners of the podcast and they were actually asking about this specifically. So we can both kind of yeah. answer that because um, one of my friends, Elena, asked like, what does your collaborative process look like? And I think that this is our main collaborative project. Yeah. So we can kind of answer that within this context, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I believed in the process of it mm-hmm. because for me, there's a certain... A criteria that needs to match a good process mm-hmm. of a creation. Yeah. I like to call it creation. Yeah. It's, it's basically a full understanding for like all the parts involved in that work mm-hmm. about the topic. How to like discuss, debate mm-hmm. the topic first. And I think we've done that. Yes. Um, we it, did that before we even started exactly. creating the work. <laughs> it was a hard process. And I think any collaborative process with a couple is going to be hard because it gets personal so quickly. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you have to really be so conscious and so self-conscious and of the other person 
to be able to put up that professional wall. And I realize that I'm not very good at it. <laughs> um, I think maybe you're a little bit stronger <laughs> at it than I am. But both of us at certain points ended up taking things quite personally when yeah. we shouldn't have been. And if you're working with just another professional that you're not in a any kind of serious relationship with, you yeah, know, so it, it wouldn't matter. be an issue. Um, so I think that's really a challenge. But I think what kind of helped us through the whole process and what made our collaboration work is that we came from these different perspectives and we each had our own individual process that they were unable to merge because your process like you said was almost more analytical and it was this kind of actor's research yeah so researching the psyche behind the the actions and what we wanted to put into the piece yeah and i'm you know i do my research and I do a lot of movement research. Yes, it's a movement research. But, and, and it's more movement research based on maybe some readings that I've done, maybe some writings that I've done. But the movement is always in parallel with that. You know, it's, yes. it's not that the uh-huh. psychological part comes first. Yeah. It's all intertwined together. And for me, if I don't feel it inside, I'll get the psychology of it. Yeah, interesting. Because I... I have this really deep trust in the movement part of it yeah. that even if I'm creating random movement that doesn't feel like anything, that you can always add a layer on top of that, of the feeling, of the psyche. Yeah. And I, I, I can trust that process that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit harder for you to say, well, why am I doing this movement? What, like, what emotion am I supposed to have with this? What's the feeling? And I would just kind of say, well, just just trust it. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to happen in the performance. Yeah. And I think that was a little bit scary for you sometimes. Because, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it doesn't make me, like, completely into the movement. Mm-hmm. It makes me, like, doing it mechanically but not feeling it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, as you said, it's like an opposite direction yeah. of, like, the process. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, yeah, and something that we had to, like, figure it out as we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, as you mentioned earlier, it's very hard when you're... It's personal and professional, mm-hmm. and then when you, whenever you have a blockage and you want to discuss it, and or you dis like, you know, a disagreement yeah. on on the, the the process that you're doing, it cannot not be personal, yeah, because it brings up other insecurities that are personal, yeah, and then exactly. like you have to talk about it, and then you know it go and back and forth. Then you have to forth. go really deep, and yeah, it it just gets down a spiraling black hole really and, quickly. Yeah, and I remember that we had a couple of like rehearsal mm-hmm. uh, days that we had to cancel. Um, or like to just stop it to, to cut it in half and like mm-hmm. you know just stop and say and call that a day yeah and get back because or sometimes that I'm like tired from work and I yeah. cannot go to like the right. rehearsal yeah and I, I sympathized with that I completely understood that <laughs> but in the end I think it's really it was really good for us because I think it really pushed each of us to think about our own creativity and our our own artistic selves in really different ways and and in the end, it was, yeah. I mean, alhamdulillah, it was a success in the end. I mean, as, as much as it could be, you know, yeah, I mean, great feedback. It was a full hour long performance, which still blows my mind. I don't know how the two of us were on stage for a whole hour and yeah. didn't die. No, it was, but, and, and plus like the audience mm-hmm. were like, it was a full room. I know. It was just like people are looking there. You felt the energy of it. Yeah. And there were, the things to to maintain the mm-hmm. focus of your audience for an entire hour, mm-hmm. like every single minute of it. Yeah. I think that was really the big, our biggest reward from it. That was a reward. Yeah. I mean, I, I just bring that up also because my friend Carrie also sent in the question to us, what yeah. was the biggest challenge with it and what was the biggest reward? And I think we just yeah. kind of addressed that actually because yeah. the reward was really that connection with the audience and being able to hold so many people's attention with our own 
focus because it did I mean I think my I think my trust paid off in the end yeah <laughs> because by the final performance we were we were so inside of it I think everything that both of us had brought to the table between the movement that I had you know worked on to try to make it more complex yeah. and more challenging for us and then the theatrical psychological stuff that you brought into it it all just came together yeah in the end and it feels right it, it felt, felt right, right. Yeah. no and I think uh, just to get back to Carrie's question about challenges mm-hmm. um, is how to trust the entire show, mm-hmm. the entire performance. Because when you are like, creating it and you don't have any external... we got to get back to the external validation. You don't have yeah. anyone from the external side that tells you where you're going, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. You don't see yourself yeah. from the outside. All what you see is that you are inside of your brain and like the inside of the piece mm-hmm. and both of us we don't have this uh, visibility exactly. of how it looks like uh, from the outside and that was also challenging yeah. and we had just to trust that as long as it feels good yeah. as long as the process <laughs> of it was very strong and very realistic you know we have to trust that it's gonna look good yeah <laughs> you know it's such i mean it's such a cliche but it all comes down to trust i mean yeah. trusting each other in the process trusting the process itself trusting, trusting yourself the work. in it yeah exactly yeah no trusting your individual self and then trusting your partner i yeah. mean that's that's really what it all comes down to yeah. and it's interesting because we also have talked about this since and we're so happy with how that performance went and you know never say never we may perform it again in the future but we did choose to not continue to pursue it after that one performance partly because we each have our own individual lives as well that get so busy and get stressful and we don't always have time to rehearse together unfortunately but I think we also just realized that we don't necessarily want to be like a husband and wife duo dancer team yeah. you know that's not really what we our are. goal in life that's not what we are and, that's and people not... like to push us that way oh i know yeah. everyone's always saying when are you going to do another piece together you guys should open a studio together everyone yeah. always has a lot of ideas for yeah. us, which is sweet and i appreciate that but i think we work better together almost as our individual selves yes um supporting our individual work yeah Absolutely. And then occasionally, you know, if, if another theme came up or if another project came up, I think both of us would be open to another collaboration, but not mm. as a as a regular yeah. gig. <laughs> yeah, and I think you feel it. Yeah, yeah. You feel it. On a different note, though, mm-hmm. working on that um, process and working together, it's sort of uh, a team building for a couple. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, uh, it's the same thing as we've, we face other things together, like traveling together, mm-hmm. um, cooking together, <laughs> <laughs> like making decisions about like yeah, life decisions life together. Decisions together yeah. And it's, it's, it's a good exercise to compromise. Mm-hmm. It's a good exercise to understand the perspective of the, the, the other person, of yeah. your partner, because that's always difficult. Yeah. Um, and I feel like compromising is a very important um, aspect of that because... Yeah. You know, at the end, for example, whenever we get like struggle or like a disagreement, I would just put myself back into the big picture of, okay, we are married and we are, you know, we're <laughs> right. working on this tiny project. It doesn't have to be big in our head. As right. Like, you know, this and, isn't our whole life. This is just a piece of work we're making together. Exactly. And then let's have, just not yeah. take the fun out of it because mm-hmm. the, the whole thing we're doing because we are passionate about what we are doing. Mm-hmm. And then it made me like, Sort of, okay, I can give up on like an idea that I was like very feeling right. strong about it. 
or not, you know? Right, so exactly. So. Yeah, that's true. I think that a friend of mine, this is my, actually my um, colleague at work, mm. uh, she asked me about uh, vulnerability versus weakness. Mm-hmm. So like, how can, we, how can we still be vulnerable without feeling weak? Yeah. And I think you're the right person to answer to this question. <laughs> I th- it's funny, I thought I was, and before, when we said that question before, I said, oh, I, I'm good at that. And then you said, well, no, you, you, know, you had to, to overcome that as well in the yeah. beginning. And it's true because it's, it's funny, I'm someone who, I communicate everything. That's how I express myself, that's how I work through problems as I need to talk them out. But in terms of being truly vulnerable as an artist and just as a person and as someone who comes from a different culture than you as well yeah I think in the beginning I had a lot more barriers up than I thought I did and a lot more preconceptions that were kind of clouding my ability to really be open with you and I do think one of those interestingly enough was this idea that well if I want to be a serious artist I should not be getting married this young yeah. Seriously. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and that was something that really came up for me. And it's so interesting because, I mean, my parents have been married almost, what, 30? Yeah, like 30-something years. And they're both artists and they've made it work. So it's not as if I have a bad example of it. I actually have a great example of artists working together yeah. in a marriage. But they did get married later in life. And I still grew up in this kind of culture surrounding art and reading books about it and seeing films about it that... You know, you especially as a woman, to be really serious, there's no way you can commit to another person. You have to commit your entire self to your art. Yeah. And you have to be constantly free and open for that. And it, it took me a really long time, I think, to be able to understand that marriage doesn't mean being tied down, actually, especially when you find the right person. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about, someone that supports you and actually lifts you up more. But I think it, it really took me a while to be able to let that preconception go and be more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I mean, in terms of it being a weakness, I think that's just the complete opposite. Because when you are able to be vulnerable with someone, that's, I don't know, I think it's just such a sign of strength because it means that you're confident, and I don't know if confidence is the right word, but you're just, you have enough trust in yourself that being vulnerable with this person isn't going to break you further. If Absolutely. That makes sense. Because even mm-hmm. maybe you have to trust that, okay, if this person for some reason judges me or doesn't accept me, that's not going to break me down. Yeah. And I think, I mean, on a pers- uh, the personal level, I would say that it also took, took, uh, took me a time to, mm-hmm. to understand that. The right. vulnerability oh, yeah, versus definitely. weakness. And I felt like um, <clears throat> I can still be vulnerable, but strong. Yeah. And that's not only in my personal like, partnership, relationship and mm-hmm. marriage, but also with friends, with family, mm-hmm. with everyone else, you know? Like, understand that, you know, you can express your feelings, your vulnerability, things mm-hmm. that doesn't work, uh, the imperfection on you, uh, but still, look, trust yourself with that, you know? Yeah. I think it's also so important to talk about, like, I think it's really imperative to have at least one person in your life that you can be fully vulnerable with and i would hope that everyone has that or can find that at some point in their life if they don't Um, they have to look for it yeah you have to you have to look for it you have to find someone that really you can trust completely to share everything with and i feel really so lucky to have multiple people in my life like that you being one of them 
Um, but oh, I think, you. of course, <laughs> I mean, I think that's so important to have because then you have an outlet for all of that and you can still stay your own strong person and share all of that. And then also just another thing to add is then you also don't feel the need to share that constantly publicly. Yes. Because I think there's now also kind of an epidemic of oversharing on social media. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm quite transparent about my process. You know, I, I share a lot about what I'm going through in the artistic process. Mm-hmm. And to others, it might look like I'm completely vulnerable. You know, yeah. I, I share some of my doubts. I share the ups and downs of what I'm going through. But the thing is, what people don't see is that there's a lot more going on besides yeah. just, you know. <laughs> it gets worse, it, believe sure, me. It gets worse, I guess we can say. It does, I mean, it never gets that bad, hopefully. But, but, you know, I'm not sharing everything. And often what I'm sharing is after I've already worked through it and I work through that by talking to you about it when it's really raw, by talking to my parents about it, by talking to a couple of my artist friends while it's still raw and while I'm going through that process and can cry about it and can be really truly vulnerable about it. By the end it just... And by the end then I've worked through it and then I have the ability to share it with the rest of the public in more of a transparent way, in a real way, but also a way that is coherent and and actually bring some sort of i don't know reflection to the topic yeah. and yeah, yeah no, you know, i think that you, kind of went on a different tangent but <laughs> no but you express it very well yeah. actually yes it's the, basically being vulnerable doesn't necessarily mean means that you put it there raw mm-hmm. but also what i appreciate because at first i used to see what you're sharing as like it's oversharing it's like you're like why would you say that you're doubting this or that yeah you know for me it was like it was really new yeah but then i understand also that it also can be inspiring to other people, mm-hmm. saying that not only what like not it's not what you see is perfection. There's yeah. also like doubts in that process. Yeah. And first, it makes you real. Second, it makes other people um, understand what and connect it, because and, I think yeah. we're all just looking for more connection, especially on the yeah. internet. We need we need that. We need mm-hmm. the people that speak our language, people that share our like mindset mm-hmm. because it gives us a feeling of belonging and doesn't like it gives us a feeling of we are part of that i'm not alone in this yeah and i think all of us need that in a different aspect of life you know yeah uh, we need to feel like that we are not alone exactly I, I, that same note because we were talking about um different challenges and also like a different culture because you were saying that's mm. the way you grew up uh versus the way i grew up right and uh, my friend uh, from Yemen, Khulud, hmm. uh, she asked me about like how do you deal with that like difference like both of us coming from different culture, hmm. and yeah. <laughs> and uh, though we are not only married but also decided to work together, so it's like yeah. it's a layer on top of a layer on top of a layer. Yeah, definitely. It's always going to be a factor in our relationship and any relationship yeah. like this. You can think maybe, oh, we've, we've figured it out now, but there's always going to be some new surprise. No, because... I'm, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's, it's often in the things you don't expect it to be. Exactly. In, you know, it's, exactly. it's these little details of upbringing and background. And I'm trying to think of a specific example. I mean, family. Family, for uh, one thing. F- yeah. Family dynamics, um, yeah. friendship dynamics. The fact that not only we are coming from different culture, but also mm-hmm. we have, you are more 
like have s- some introvert aspect on yeah. your personality i'm more extrovert oh, all yeah. over the place <laughs> yeah so you know it's like l- and you're from a more extroverted culture you're from a culture that really values community and hospitality and i'm mm-hmm. from a c- culture that values individualism yeah i mean already those are big things but it, it definitely comes into play absolutely but i, I think we yeah. know and we had earlier in our relationship a very i think The first part of our relationship was more about debates than anything else. Yes. <laughs> was more about what's, what are the differences, what yeah. should not, you know, like all well, this like I, conflict thing. Sorry, that's what I find so interesting is that a lot of people say the first year of marriage is the hardest, but I feel like ours was the pre-marriage. The pre-marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Because the first year of just getting to know each other before we were married, that was the really hard part. And that's what we had to dig into these really deep, intense conversations of like, well, where are these fears coming from? Where are these blocks coming from? Yeah. Um, defenses. Defenses, yeah. And, and it really, we each had to, I think, untangle a lot of our own cultural upbringing and how much external factors played in our values and what were our true values yeah. and it, it gets really deep really quickly and i think communication is a key yes. and you taught me a lot about communication i would say <laughs> oh, and <good>. i would <laughs> confess <laughs> but i think i mean for me personally just being in this relationship from different cultures and also living in your culture <laughs> living in a different culture yes. from my own double challenge double challenge <laughs> but i mean i i honestly wouldn't have it any other way i think it's brought me so much to my life in general. I think it's the reason that I'm doing this podcast. I think it's the reason that suddenly I've become so fascinated by conversations, partly because we've had to have all of these conversations that have led us to a really deep place in our relationship. And I've seen how in any relationship and friendships as well, these conversations are what lead to the connections and lead to learning. And also just the fascination with language, learning so many languages here and having that be an aspect. Yeah. Especially in Tangier. Especially in Tangier. <laughs> the, everyone speaks at least like three or four languages. It's amazing and humbling for me too. <laughs> But I also think it's just made me so much stronger of an artist and a pr- professional person in my career because it's just made me have to face so many different situations with new understandings and you know, even just working with dancers here, being able to understand that, you know, not everyone's going to be on time all the time, for example, as a small yeah. <laughs> example, and understand that that's part of the culture. And I have to just, I have to let my expectations go sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you have to be a little harsh, but the, uh, on the other side, you to just... To be flexible. To be flexible. Least, to and, a certain extent. And no. listen to other people when they're explaining why they do what they do and why they believe what they believe and yeah. i think it's just made every single part of my life richer and yeah and there's, and there's a difference between flexibility and letting yourself fade into like yes. a culture or like a person yeah. or something Definitely. you know let yourself go uh, flexibility entails that you still yourself mm-hmm. you're still with your own like convictions mm-hmm. but still can adapt and understand people's perspective and be ready to like accept it because I think it's a good skill to have uh, in life in general. Definitely. Well, this has been a great conversation. That's been a great team building too. And uh, by the way, where can people connect with you? Uh, so I'm growing up my community on Instagram. Yes, you are. <laughs> it's at uh, Marwan Ben. Uh, and uh, my YouTube channel it will be Marwan Ben Larbi. It's like Marwan uh, space I'll put it in Ben. The, yeah, yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. And uh, and I'm available on Facebook as well. Perfect. Yeah, it's All my right. name, my last name. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for 
having this conversation with me this thank lovely Sunday for, morning. Oh, thank you for having this conversation and hosting me in it. <laughs> for links to connect with Marwan and to find everything we talked about in this episode, check out the show notes at rubyjosephine.com under the podcast tab. You can also follow this podcast on Instagram or Facebook at Process Peace and get these episodes delivered directly to your inbox along with a whole lot of extra inspiration by subscribing to my newsletter, The Sunday Pancake letters and reverence of creative rituals. Head over to rubyjosephine.com slash subscribe. If you've been enjoying Process Piece, I would so appreciate you choosing to support this podcast in any or all of three ways. One, by leaving a rating or review on iTunes. Two, share your favorite episode with a friend or on social media. And three, make a contribution at buymeacoffee.com slash rubyjoe. Thanks so much to Marwan for sharing this lovely conversation with me. A big thanks to Cooper Lee Smith for creating the original music for this podcast. And a special thanks to you for listening. Mm-hmm.